Welcome to sermons from First Alliance Church, equipping you to become a fully devoted and faithfully engaged disciple of Jesus. Here's today's message. Thank you so much, Tim and worship team. It's great to be back here. Very much one of the places that I call home. Uh, Special uh, welcome and greeting also to those of you online. And I especially want to call out family members of Leonore that are watching online. Just want to uh, just say that this gathering is especially for you as well. So thank you so much for um, being with us. This church has been a place that has um, made room and valued men and women in ministry for many years. Many of you remember Ross Ingram. He was one of the, I don't think he was a founding pastor, but he was one of the key pastors many years back. And he was someone who really believed that men and women were people that had the right to be, women could be ordained just like men. And then Bruce Edwards came along, and he's with us as well here today. Great to have you here too. And another pastor who commended and pushed forward the way that women could be not only pastors, but also be ordained. And then Tim Barons followed as well, and that was something that he was passionate about. And I believe, Leonore, he was a key person that kind of opened the door so that you could step into this role. So... Uh, this is a church where, that has made room uh, for we- women to be ordained and to be, minist- to be ministers of the gospel. And so because of that, we're able to stand here in complete uh, freedom uh, to honor one that God has put his hands on. Ordination in the Christian and Missionary Alliance basically uh, is an affirmation of the call of God that we see on someone's life. Ultimately, God is the one that ordains someone, but in the Alliance, as they reach out to us to become part of our congregation or to be serving in the congregations here, then we ask that they minister for a couple years so that the elders of the church can kind of affirm, does this person have a call? And then when the elders can affirm that, then they step into the ordination process. And so all that has happened um, for Leonor to bring us um, to this point. Leonor, when I think of you, the word that comes to my mind is pivot. And uh, you are someone that seems to be able to quickly pivot and move and adjust to the things that are required. And you have done that as you have pivoted from your role in the school system to now move into more of a formal role in, uh, in the church world, and I want to commend you for that. I also believe that pivoting is going to be something that the body of Christ is going to need to master in the days ahead. But the challenge is going to be who are we pivoting to? Who is the one that's leading the pivot? And in this denomination, you know, this denomination was founded by um, a person by the name of A.B. Simpson, and some of you might not have a clue who he was. I really didn't know anything about him until I had become a pastor at Alliance Church, and then I had to take a course called Alliance History and Thought. And one of the things that we had to do was read some of the material that came from A.B. Simpson. And I remember reading this material and I remember literally feeling like I was in the presence of Jesus. 
This man had been dead for many years, and yet while I was reading his material, what it did in me is it stirred my heart to be fully sold out to Jesus. Just a couple weeks ago, I was asked to preach at one of our churches called Toronto Simpson Chinese Alliance Church. They had taken on the founder's name. And when I asked the Lord, where do I start to prepare this message? I felt him say, start with Simpson. And so I went back to the curriculum from 20 years ago and I reread it and it had the same impact on my spirit. I was literally on my face in my office crying out, oh Lord, I want to be someone that is 100% sold out to Jesus. You know, A.B. Simpson, there was nothing special about him. He was just an average person. But what's special about him was this, that he was fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing that you can walk in such a way that you are fully surrendered to God that a hundred years after you have died, people are still, they're reading your journals, they're reading what you have written, and they are still being brought to their faces to go deeper to God. That's the legacy that we in the body of Christ have. That no matter what happens to the structured, formal church, if you and I are fully surrendered to the person of Christ who lives in us in the form of the Holy Spirit, Christ in you, the hope of glory, was what Simpson taught, then the legacy that you leave can go far beyond your time on earth. And in Romans chapter 12, you know, Paul comes and that's his call in this chapter. He says, in view of God's mercy. Well, what has gone on in the first 11 chapters? In the first 11 chapters, he's been dealing with a church that's somewhat divided. There's a lot of Jews and Gentiles, and because of some of the difficult things they had faced, they are all having different ideas of what it means to be Christian. And Paul comes in and he does 11 chapters of doctrinal clarification that all of us start out on the same place at the foot of the cross, all of us in need of a savior. And he makes this amazing statement. You know, verse one, it says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, every single one of us, as we come before God, whether we believe him or not, or not we come in view of God's mercy. And the amazing thing that God says in Romans here, or Paul says in Romans, Romans chapter 10, verse 21, he gives this image of God, and, he, and it says, all day long I stand before an obstinate and rebellious people with my arms open wide. God's posture to a lost and dying world is like this. God is never standing there in front of you like this. He is never standing there in front of you like this. He stands in front of us just like the cross in the back here. When you see the cross, it's Jesus, God the Father who loves you, who sent his son with his arms open wide in view of God's mercy. And Leonor, that's the call. 
That's the call of God. That's what the church should be. When people look at the church of Jesus Christ, they should see that image of God the Father reaching out, extending welcome and blessing. So, you know, the first 11 chapters of this are, are, are heavy stuff. They're doctrinal. And then Paul gets into the practical. And bless Leonor's heart, she's done a lot of work on the doctrinal stuff. She had to do some papers, and she had to go through a grilling interview and do a bunch of book reports. And now it comes down to the practical outworking of this. And I want to give you a couple charges uh, Leonor, and uh, for the rest of you, as the Spirit of God is stirring your heart, then you respond as well, because as we were singing about the kingdom this morning, we are all called to be a kingdom of priests. And so just however the Spirit of God is uh, leaning on you this morning, you, you can respond to him. One of Paul's charges to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.16 was this, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and hearers. It's not enough just to have airtight doctrine. He says, watch your life and doctrine closely. How do you do that in the challenging world that we are in? Well, one of the very first things that we see here is that we are to offer ourselves to God as an act of worship. And the very first charge, Leonore, that I would give to you is that ministry is worship flowing out of your love relationship with God. The most important thing about you is not all the courses that you've taken or all the, in the interview that you've passed or even all the skills that you have. The most important thing is that you are loved by God, that he loves you and cherishes you and he wants to be with you. And so I challenge you, guard your time with the Lord. You know, one of the things they say, the best thing parents can do for their kids is love their spouse. If you love your spouse, then you create an atmosphere of safety and security for everybody who lives in the home. And in the church, it's no different. If you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, then that is gonna create an atmosphere of safety and security for those that you serve. Be a good steward of what's going on in your heart. When you feel an angst, a frustration, take time to deal with it and to bring it into the light and to bring it uh, to the feet of those that you trust that walk with you. The second charge I wanna give you is Paul goes on here after he talks about this surrender and Tim read it for us in verses three to five. He basically talks about the fact that ministry flows out of a gifting in a team context. None of us are the chief player. And so there's a need to, to walk forward and, and to know your gifting. And remember when I started into ministry, someone said to me, Kathy, the need is like this, but your call is like this. And the danger and the challenge in ministry is we try and bleed out into meet all the needs and you can't, and you're not called to. And so there's a challenge to know clearly what has God called you to do and stay in that lane 
but then also as a leader who's entrusted to shepherd others, help others discern what is their calling, what is their lane, and help them stay in that lane. He goes on and he talks about having a sober judgment of ourselves. I've been taking a a seminary course on spiritual formation and one of the uh, authors that we've been studying is called Adrian von Kamm. And he comes up with a different terminology for the sinful nature. He actually calls it the pride form. And what he's actually suggesting there is that pride is operating in us as we're moving in, seeking to be formed into the image of Christ. And the Spirit of God is living in us, directing us as we're obedient and surrendering to him. There's another force at work, and he calls it the pride form that is trying to form us into something other than the image of Christ. And I love what Dr. Rebecca Letterman, she says, when an aspect of who we are begins to define us, evidence of pride is at work. You know, if it's my ministry that begins to define me, if it's my gender that begins to define me, if it's even my nationality that begins to define me, subtly, pride has stepped in. And so there's a strong need to stay on our faces before God, to be in the scriptures, to be in community, and allowing the Spirit of God to be the one that's forming us to be a child of the King. And the third charge, and and we didn't read the whole passage this morning because there's so much in this passage, you can't really preach on it in 20 minutes. Uh, But as you go on, he talks first about your need to be fully surrendered to God, and then he talks about your place in the body, but then he moves into what does it actually look like to live in the body? And this is the third charge that I want to give you. Ministry is relational. You know, there's two different kinds of ministry that we see. One is called transactional where I do this for you, and you do this for me, and then I do this for you, and there's a sense of almost like a contract. And the danger with that kind of ministry is it becomes more performance-oriented, where we're trying to measure ourselves up against others or even up, up against ourselves. But then there's the transformational kind of ministry, which you get into the Greek and you unpack that. One of the definitions means to actually be with You know, God is right now here. God, you are being transformed. The Spirit of God is living in you. You have relationships with people. And the call of God in the church is that we do life on life. Not that we just do events or not that we tick off that we've done this Bible study or that Bible study, but that we are doing life on life. That was what Jesus demonstrated for us as he came and lived with the 12. And so there's a strong call for discipleship in what he is, Paul is addressing here. And I just want to bring out three points in this little section, verses 9 to 21, if you're following in your Bible The first thing that God is seeking that we would step into is developing Christ-like community. And that means honoring one another. Honoring one another. Even if you disagree with the person, even if you don't like the person, you still 
seek to honor them. He goes on and he talks about hospitality. And hospitality is much more than just putting a nice dish of curry in front of someone. You know, hospitality is like a holy welcome. You know, when I walk my dog down the street and a neighbor or someone's coming, I have a responsibility to extend some kind of holy welcome to them. Hospitality, it's part of the call of the body of Christ in this day when people are desperately longing to be welcomed and to be valued and to be cared for. He talks about harmony. You know, as the worship team was singing for us this morning, there were many different voices that we heard. Some were singing alto, some were singing tenor, some were singing soprano. And there was a beautiful blend of a gift that was lifted up. And in the body that God is calling you to serve, part of Christ-like community is not that we all look the same, but that we make room for voices that are different than ours. And yet we're all responding in full surrender to the Spirit of God as he leads us forward so there's still a sense of being, being in tune. The second thing that he stresses here is that there's a call to be authentic. And, and this is a nugget that God has really been stressing on me lately. If you look in verse 11, he says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. I'm like, how is that possible? Like, I mean, when you unpack that, even in the Greek, the image there is of a pot that's boiling that just stays alive. You know, those of you that, I mean, just doing life, how do you do that? How do you stay with this fervor and this zeal? And I believe Paul gives him the secret in the next verse. He says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. And joyful in hope means we lean towards God's favor, not complaining, but believing regardless to what's going on right now with COVID, I don't know what's happening, but I am choosing, just as Abby called us this morning, to declare God is good, he is bigger than this, and I'm choosing to believe in him and place my hope in him, even if everything else around me looks awkward. That's the posture that we take. But we don't just kind of put our head in the clouds or put our head in the sand and pretend and ignore what's going on inside of us. Paul goes on and he says, be patient in affliction. And that actually means coming under the weight of it. And so God is calling us in the body of Christ to be sincere. And that sometimes means it is not well with me. But I have my hope in God, so I'm still bearing up under the weight of some of the struggles. And how am I maintaining this? I'm staying faithful in prayer. I'm regularly telling God how it is for me. I'm coming before him and saying, God, I'm struggling right now. Where are you? Will you come and help me? And I think there is such a, uh, I love this. I just landed on this recently in my quiet time and I was like, Jesus, thank you. This is a nugget to help me get through this season. 
recently was called to reread the book The Hiding Place, which is a story about uh, two Dutch women that ended up in prison during World War II. They em ended up in Ravensbrück because they were hiding Jews in the Nazi era. And they end up in this, in this really flea and uh, lice-infested um, dorm or whatever where they were living. And Corey, the one who writes the book, she's complaining. She says, this really is terrible. I don't want to be here. And, and her sister is saying, well, God tells us to be thankful for everything. And she's like, seriously, what's wrong with you? But somehow, God had arranged that they could sneak a New Testament in with them. So here they are with all these women who are freaking out, struggling, tired, and they're holding Bible studies and prayer meetings, and they can't figure out why the guards are staying so far away from them. And then all of a sudden, at the end, they find out, someone slips it out, that the guards are not going anywhere near someone who has lice and fleas. And so the very reason that they could step together and, and worship the Lord and read the scriptures was the very thing that they detested. And so there's a call on us today in the body of Christ to be joyful in hope. To, to, that's a perspective shift that God is calling us to. I'm going to declare that my hope is in God no matter what. But I'm going to bear through the tough stuff and I'm going to stay on my knees because I know that God is working something. He's forming something in me and around me that I might not be able to see, but that is somehow going to bring honor to him. And then lastly, in this, in this passage tucked in here, you know, we have Christ-like community, Christ-like character, and then you're going to face some Christ-like challenges. For some reason, church and conflict just go together. It's because we're all messed up and we're all in process and God is transforming us. And when we come together, we don't always agree. We don't always like each other. We sometimes hurt each other. And the beauty of the body of Christ is that we have the Holy Spirit living in us. We stand before a God who is merciful, who has sent his son to, lie, to love for us and to die for us. And so... We can get through, but how do we get through? And so, Leonor, I want to challenge you to arm yourself in preparation for this. Not kind of like with a fatalistic, oh no, where's it coming? Not thinking everybody's out to get you. That's not what I'm suggesting. But three times here, he says, he says bless those who persecute you. Get into a posture of blessing everyone, even those that you don't like or are hurting you. He says, do not repay evil for evil. Stop the cycle. Be an agent of change where you stop the cycle when difficult things start happening. And then he says, do not take revenge. Make room, leave room for God's wrath. Part of following Jesus means we're going to face trials just like he did. But just like he had the Holy Spirit to strengthen him, we have that in the person of Christ that lives in us. Well, all of this sounds like a pretty tall order, and it is, it is impossible except that the Spirit of God lives in us. 
And so, Leonor, I am so excited about God releasing you into this. I'm proud of you for taking that big pivotal step that you've taken. And I come on behalf of the district, the district superintendent, Curtis Peters, just to congratulate you on on coming um, into this, and we are excited. I'm sure, I'm sure your family is also uh, excited with you, and it doesn't mean you get to lord it over them or, or anything like that. You know, I, I think you still have to kind of follow the family protocols there. But I'm going to invite you to come on up, and um, I have some questions um, that I want to give um, to ask her. You know, part of what Leonor is committing to before God and before you, her church family, is um, to, to make kind of some, some vows, so to speak. You know, this isn't like a wedding ceremony or anything, but there's a sense of just she um, is going to, uh, um, I think that, yeah, I think they want you over there. So I'm, she's seen these questions ahead of time, so none of this is a surprise for her. Um, but want to ask you these questions, and then uh, after she responds, we're going to have a number of people that are going to come up, and we are going to pray for a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit upon our dear sister, um, and, and uh, we'll move forward then with a, just a special presentation. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more on us as a church and ways to connect, please visit us online at firstalliancechurch.org.